Welcome back. I'm Danny Torres, host of the Talking 21 podcast and part of the Our Esquina Podcast Network. Thanks to our loyal followers on social media, our part one conversation was a resounding success. And our next installment with Adam Wainwright will give our listeners a unique insight into Wayno's mindset beyond the pitcher's mouth. In 2011, something traumatic occurred to this World Series champion. It's the hidden fear every time a pitcher heads to the mound and throws off the rubber, a prolonged absence due to an elbow injury. Along with being a phenomenal storyteller, especially about the game of baseball, the one story he wants every listener to pay close attention to is about his unwavering faith. Early in his career, Wayno spoke about a defining moment that changed his life. He said, I needed to make a change. It was also revealed to me the only way to make a change is to finally put my trust in God and allow him to take the reins of my life, empower me to do great things. So here's the final installment of the two-part Talking 21 podcast conversation with Cardinals legend, Adam Wainwright. You know, you also talked about adversity. I'm talking about a number again, 21. That date was February 21st, 2011. You missed the entire season because of an elbow injury. And now 10 years later, we're talking about winning the Roberto Clemente Award, named after a player that wore number 21. Uh, but you talked about adversity. You talked about things that certainly have to happen in your life. There's a faith in the heart of Wayno, Adam Wainwright, Uncle Charlie. Please tell me the importance of your faith on how it got you from that injury to where you are today. Yeah. Well, thanks for asking that question. Um, it's one of the things I like talking about the most, honestly, is, is my faith. And so <clears throat> what happened was in 2002, I went to a conference called Professional Athletes Outreach. We call it PAO. And at that conference, um, I went into that conference with lots of questions, didn't know really uh, where I stood with my faith, didn't understand who God was to me, who God was to him, what God had, what role was he playing in my life? You know, just uh, a lot of questions. When I came out of that conference, a lot of that had been answered. I, I understand um, that a lot of people have different uh, gods that they serve or whatever. And, and, and what I believe, though, is that I have a savior. His name is Jesus. He came to live and die for me. He did that and he was resurrected and he uh, empowered me to go out and live a lifestyle that is affected, that is different, that is uh, unique in a way that people, when they look at my life, they should say, wow, why are you doing that? And so then I there and therefore get to say, let me tell you about my savior. So First uh, Peter 3.15 says, we should always be ready to give people the reasons for our hope. Well, people aren't going to ask reasons for your hope if you're not giving them reasons to ask you about your hope, which means in my mind that I should be showing love where maybe love shouldn't even exist. I should be showing grace where grace doesn't exist. I should forgive better. I should, I should be a better friend. I should... Um, 
I should listen better. All these are principles that I learned from the Bible. Um, and when I do that, people do inevitably ask me, dude, why are you so happy right now? Like, what is, what's going on with you? Like, why are you helping people right now? Like, just how come it's not only about your family? And so what I've realized is that being incredibly blessed, I, pro I play professional baseball for a living. You got to be kidding me. And not only do I play it for a living, I've played it for a really long time and been paid really well to do that. So it's an incredible opportunity. It's an incredible platform that I've been given. And so to whom much is given, much is required. And wow, what a, what a wasted life, what a wasted opportunity that if I didn't use those blessings to bless others with. Um, so that's when I laid my head down at night. <clears throat> There's things in life that really inspire me. My, my wife and I, for years and years, went to all kinds of different charity fundraisers. We were trying to find exactly what our niche was. We were trying to figure out what it was that really kept us up at night, really meant the world to us. We would go to cancer balls, and we would go to animal rescue foundation events, and we would go to, um, you know, children's hospitals, and all things are really great. They're all great opportunities. They're all doing amazing things in the communities. But it wasn't until we started working with these companies that were building clean water projects and feeding kids and um, giving medicine to people who didn't have it. It wasn't until we started providing the basic essential needs that we realized, man, that's, that's really mean that like, that was really special to us. We want to do that again. And so, um, part of the, the goal at, at big league impact that we started in 2013, part of the, the goal at my wife and I, our personal mission that's separate from big league impact is to find people around the world who need water, who need shelter, who need medicine, who need clothing and provide those things or find out ways to help those people get the things that they need, the basic essential needs. So that that's long story, but that's kind of that's kind of what inspires us. That's what we think about on a daily basis. There's people all over that need help. And so we don't discriminate. Anybody who needs help, we give. I had a chance to go to Haiti and see the water project that we built through Big League Impact. And I got to see into their eyes as they were weeping in the streets, telling us about how much that water meant to them, how much it had changed their lives. I got to look into the, the people's eyes and when they said, this is the first time we've ever gone to the bathroom in a toilet. And it's not gonna now, it's not gonna feed into our water system that we're gonna drink later on. And so we're not gonna feel sick anymore. And when you hear that and you see the tears and you see how much it really means to those people, it just carries so much weight. Urban legend has it that the great one chose his uniform number because of the 21 letters in his full name, Roberto Clemente Walker. There's something about this mythical number, and for Adam Wainwright, there's a direct correlation. It was February 21st, 2011. Due to an elbow injury, Waino missed the entire season. Yet, he miraculously bounced back and 10 years later would even win the Roberto Clemente Award. He entrusted his baseball career and his life to his steadfast faith. So I asked Wayno, why is this so important within the life of a Major League Baseball player? Could you say to me, uh, Wayno, that it's easy for players, professional athletes to this day, considering uh, 
what's happening around the world that the faith does play a part of a professional athlete's life? Well, it can. Yeah, it can. Um, or does it stay private or does that stay private? They'd rather not say, because one of the things you know, Adam, sometimes you can't necessarily, if not at all, talk about politics or your religious uh, affiliation. So I kind of want, at least you could kind of put in perspective, maybe your own teammates um, from a standpoint that you could say, and you might have to mention names, but just say, oh, no, definitely this guy. I know, you know, his uh, similar upbringing and that he's very open about his faith. Well, so kind of based on what I told you before, I try, I try not to uh, be in your face about these types of things, right? But I also try to live my life in a certain way where it causes people to ask questions, you know? Um, if somebody asks me a question like you did, then I'm more than happy to talk about it. Uh, but I, I don't try to sit in front of everybody and say like, let me tell you about Jesus. You know, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes, sometimes it may, um, but it doesn't always work like that. What I'm always trying to get guys to do is realize that on their platforms, they have an incredible opportunity in front of them to do good or to do bad, right? You're, you're given a platform one way or another. So, uh, what you do while you stay on that platform, it really matters. People are watching, people are paying attention. And so um, I, I think a faith that's lived out correctly in, in, a, in a professional sports uh, situation, in a professional non-sports situation, is a faith that uh, doesn't always need words to show what we believe in, but then also is ready to give words when asked about. We bring in the 2020 Roberto Clemente Award winner from the St. Louis Cardinals, Adam Wainwright. Adam, congratulations. Tell us what you're feeling. It doesn't seem real to me, honestly. Uh, just watching this whole broadcast and how special a man Roberto was uh, and all the wonderful people and, and humanitarians who won this great award uh, the last, you know, however many years they've been giving this away. I, I just don't even feel like... Uh, like it's real, honestly, you know, this is an incredible group to be a part of. Um, but just being in the same sentence, mentioning the same sentence as Roberto Clemente is, uh, is the highest honor of my entire career. Honestly, I mean, anything I've ever done on the field doesn't hold a candle to this. This is amazing for me and my family and our, and our foundation. Legendary sportscaster and talking 21 guest Bob Costas said this on our podcast when talking about his dear friend being selected as the 2020 Roberto Clemente Award winner. He is sincere with it. He really does the work. He doesn't just make the occasional appearance. He rolls up his sleeves and he does the work. Wainwright is humble and certainly doesn't look for accolades or any special recognition. But in the spirit of Clemente, he simply wants to give back, especially for the less fortunate children. Receiving that phone call, he won this prestigious honor. Wayno was thrilled beyond words and during an MLB telecast, proudly displayed the Clemente Award. During that live telecast, he immediately wanted his viewers to see up close the extraordinary work of his foundation, Big League Impact, which he founded in 2013. When school was hit hard during this pandemic, so were the families involved. And so we were able to, uh, with, the, with the help of teammates, uh, Garth Brooks Teammates for Kids Foundation and 
lots and 50 or 60 or even 70. I can't remember the, the amount of big league players joined in with our, with our efforts because they just realized that there was a, there was a dire need. You know, you're talking about the platform. You've used that word often. And um, part of what I got an opportunity to read on uh, Big League um, Impact, the website, and I'm looking at your quote right now. As an athlete, you only get a few years to have a platform like this. Might as well stand on it. And, man, can we make that connection with the great Roberto Clemente. So here it is. Uh, You're a four-time nominee, 2015, 16, 17, and 19. But your day finally arrived, and I saw at MLB Network how proud you were, the painting of Roberto, the uh, nominee awards, and of course, what I believe you said, this is a pretty cool trophy. Where were you, where were you when you received uh, that phone call? Maybe it was an email address, I don't know. Maybe it was Luis Clemente calling you. Where were you when you received the news that you were gonna be the 2020 recipient of the award? Well, it's interesting because uh, as a free agent, um, you know, you got to kind of keep the phone close sometimes where you think, you know, teams might call or your agent might call. And, and uh, on this particular day when I found out, Bill DeWitt uh, Jr. called me. So the owner of the St. Louis Cardinals called me on the phone and I was thinking, well, I wonder what he's calling about. Maybe he's, you know, maybe he's calling to try to figure out exactly what we want or what, what we can work out a deal or you know, that he wants me back or whatever. Right away, it was evident to me when he told me what, what the news, he, he's the one that broke the news to me. And when he told me, when he told me that I had won the Roberto Clemente Award, I realized that what he told me was much more important than signing a new deal. It was something that I was always going to be able to take to my grave is, is, uh, is being a Roberto Clemente Award um, representative. I, I, I just, uh, I was smiling so big, I almost drove into a big oak tree. You know, I was, I was, I just dropped my girls off at school and, and was uh, on the way home. And I remember because I was right out in front of our grocery store. I remember right where I was on the road where he, when he told me. And uh, it was just, you know, it was a moment where you don't want it to be the reason that you do things, right? You don't, my wife and I do not go out and do good in the community to try to win awards and, and nominations for whatever. But it was a really cool acknowledgement. Um, and honestly, if you ask any player around baseball, they would tell you the Roberto Clemente Award is the biggest one there is. It's the biggest one there is. You know, it's the coolest one there is, and there's just no denying it. And it's because our baseball, it's important, right? It's, it's, it's great for people's morale. It keeps, you know, states and cities plugged in and, and competitive and fighting and and, and friendly rivalries and mean rivalries and all kinds of stuff. It's, it's entertainment for lots involved. It's, it's lots of jobs around for the stadium workers and provides uh, great relief to cities who need that income coming in for people to come in and watch the games. Baseball does a lot of really good things, but outside of that, it's a great opportunity to understand that baseball players are also part of the family of humanity and that we can go out into the world and make the world a better place if we don't waste uh, the time, the platforms, and the opportunities that we've been given. So when, when I won that award, it was just like, wow, this is really cool. People understand some of the good work we're doing. And the other good thing about it was it, when I won that award, it wasn't like, okay, now I'm done. I can shut things down. Now it was like, well, now i got to go prove it. 
now I got to go out and, and, and keep living. That's right. I, I got to keep representing Roberto's name because uh, now I'm tied to Roberto. And that means something to me. In the game of baseball, pitchers and catchers come and go. Yet Wainwright has been extremely fortunate to have thrown to Yadier Molina for what is now their 14th season together. This year, he was even the starting pitcher for Yadi's 2000th game as a catcher. Their bond goes way beyond the playing field. And not only are they both recipients of the Roberto Clemente Award, but his battery makes respect for the game, the Cardinals fan base, and most importantly, his love for Puerto Rico is truly unmatched. But Bueno shared a rather interesting story about his teammate who has become a brother. And what he revealed to me about this future Hall of Famer was truly an eye-opening moment. Well, one unique thing about Yadier, Yadi loves music. Um, you know, he's even got like a little musical note tattooed on his neck. And I, I always say, never mess with anybody with a neck tattoo because they got a little bit of crazy in them. They'll, they'll cut you probably. <laughs> I think I've um, noticed that. I think I've noticed that. <laughs> but so Yadi loves music. But what most people don't know is that Yadi loves country music also. And so Yadi is a huge Zach Brown fan and can recite every single word of Zach Brown's songs. And so a few years back, we went to a Zach Brown concert and we're backstage hanging out with Zach a little bit right before the concert. And, you know, there's a bunch of uh, gringos in there, a bunch of white guys, right? We're all in there, big country music. I think I know where you're going with this. <laughs> we got our boots on, we got our, you know, our, our button up shirts and we're, we're feeling kind of country or whatever. And we're excited to be in front of Zach Brown. But if you look over at Yachty, Yachty was like this. He was so excited. He was so excited. He was starstruck to be in front of Zach Brown. And, and uh, it was neat. When we were standing next to each other, he was, the concert was going on. Yachty was singing every single word. And I know a lot of Zach Brown music, too. He's from Georgia. I'm from Georgia. And uh, Yachty knows way more about his music than me. It's pretty funny. That's crazy. Well, you know, I think there's somebody else, um, Wayno, that you probably have not maybe introduced him to, or maybe you have. I think you got to introduce him to your dear friend, Garth Brooks. So certainly uh, for our listeners, what can you tell us of Garth Brooks' involvement? Because certainly I got a chance to see that presentation, and I can see that, number one, Garth Brooks is an unbelievably huge Roberto Clemente fan. But certainly his music throughout all these years but well, what can you share with us the impact and the relationship with your foundation and the, the great uh, Garth Brooks? He is. And, and, and also Yachty knows his, his music pretty well too. We sing friends in love places on the bus all the time. Um, but uh, <laughs> let me ask you, hey, wait, no, let me ask you, our teammates looking at each other and said, oh, what's this Puerto Rican singing country music for? I mean, come on, you got to tell me that, that, that facial expression. Oh, <laughs> when you hear Yachty sing, Anyways, it's funny, but especially when he sings country music and he knows the words, it's really, it's really, really funny. Uh, so Garth, Garth and I got involved. Um, I, I'm, I'm like, honestly, I'm like the world's biggest Garth Brooks fan. I, I grew up, you know, listening to country music. The first tape that I ever had that was my own tape back before CDs was a Garth Brooks mix tape that my brother made me with the Garth Brooks, the dance and thunder rolls and a few other songs on it. Um, so it was really cool to work with him. But the reason that we got to got involved together is I've been working with the Teammates for Kids, Garth Brooks Teammates for Kids Foundation for a while. 
And uh, he's all about helping kids. And as you mentioned before, he's a huge baseball fan. He's a huge Pittsburgh Pirates fan. Roberto Clemente Jr. is, is the reason that he started loving baseball. He told me that. Um, and so a few years back, two years ago, uh, my team at Big League Impact and his team at, at Garth Brooks Teammates for Kids got together and we decided to form this thing called the Home Plate Project. And we realized that there's 30 cities and at Bigly Impact, in my knowledge of the world, I've been on mission trips, you know, in a few, a few different countries. It's understanding that it's not just people abroad that need help, and it's not just people in the United States that need help. There's people all around the entire world that need help in lots of different ways. And especially um, nowadays, especially now in this pandemic. But before that, understanding that a lot of kids the best meals they eat are at school. You know, they, they don't, we have a lot of what are called food deserts here in the United States where that means they live, kids live more than two miles from, from fresh food, from good quality food, not fast food, but like groceries. And uh, there's, there's those all over the, if you go to every big city that we have in this, in this country, there's kids that are, are, food insecure. They just don't have access to good food. And when they do have food, it's usually not good. You know, it's usually, it's usually burgers and fries or tacos or something that, and I love something, eating all those things. Something, is something inexpensive, but not necessarily healthy. That's right. That's right. And I love eating those things, but if you eat them all the time, it can be unhealthy for you. So um, it was understanding that and, and working with teammates for kids, their, their stipulation was, listen, we want to work. We want to help these kids eat. All right. At Big League Impact, we went, all right, we want to help those kids eat too. And everybody else eat too. We want to help feed people also. We were on the same mission here. We got the same idea. There's 30 big league cities. What if we got together and we formed a, 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 a situation where we could work with big, with big league athletes in every city and pour into their communities in every big league city. So that was what we did. We, we started making calls. Our job at Big League Impact was to recruit players. So we recruit, recruited players, two players from every team, put in $5,000 a piece. Then Garth Brooks would come behind it, his foundation, they would put another $10,000 in there. So we had, we had uh, 20,000, 30,000 actually. We had a, a private donor donate uh, some more money too. So we had $30,000 that we put directly into feeding kids in every big league city. So we had a project that did $900,000 that we put together in a matter of weeks. It was a really powerful project. We fed 4 million people with that. So that's the thing. I did, I did see those figures online. Yes. That's the thing to realize is when you hear that it's $30,000 in a city, you're like, well, what good did that do? Well, we fed 4 million people in 30 big league cities. So it doesn't always take, you know, you're not feeding them steak and lobster every meal, but it's, it's about providing them the basic essential needs that they need to survive, to get them to the next meal. And then we just kept doing that. And so this next year we ran it back, we did it again. And we read, we fed 400,000 or 4 million more people with that. So in the last two years with the home plate project in Garth Brooks, his very generous donation and the partnerships of, of uh, gosh, I think we have like over 70 players involved in the home fleet project with those guys on board. We were able to feed 8 million people through the home fleet project. And especially I'll tell you in this time of need during the pandemic, when schools got shut down and knowing that kids eat the best at schools, when schools got shut down, wow, what a huge deal that was for them. So 
we had to get it going. We were going to plan to do this in June or July. We moved it up. We got this thing going in March. We were able to, to get the home plate project going in March and feed those 4 million people when the, in, in, in the time that they needed it the most. You know, um, Wayno, we've lost a number of Hall of Famers. Actually, as of this date, and when we actually dropped this particular episode, we're sadly at 10 Hall of Famers, including the late, great, someone that you certainly maybe even had an opportunity to meet, uh, Hank Aaron. Um, but there was one of those on that list that without question, I'm certain you've had some amazing conversations with, and that's the late Lou Brock, who I met uh, in Pittsburgh at a function. What an unbelievable human being. He actually shared a rather interesting Roberto Clemente story that if I may, and I'll give you the quick version of that. One out, nobody on. Clemente had 10 hits in a doubleheader last August against the Dodgers. A lot of hits in one day. Three and one to him. It's a high fly in the deep right center. In the zone, it's way back. That one's going, and it is gone. Almost in the same spot as Johnny Benchy with the upper deck and right center. I've never seen so many long drives to the opposite field by right-handed batters that we've had in this game. That's another tremendous shot for a right-hander. 50 years ago, the All-Star game in Detroit. So here it is, Roberto struck out in his previous at-bat. He goes into the dugout, and he looks at Lou Brock, and he goes, Lou, watch. My next time I'm up there, I'm going to hit a home run. Now, what I found interesting was almost as if Roberto was setting up whoever was going to come up, the pitcher. So swing at that particular pitch so that whoever's going to pitch in his next at bat to say, this is where Roberto struck out at this pitch. Let's throw it again. If you can, uh, Wayno, share some stories about the late, great Lou Brock. Lou is my favorite. Lou, Lou um, so... I had a lot of opportunity to hang out with Red Shane Deans, a great man. He was in our clubhouse all the time. Had a lot of opportunity to, to hang out with Bob Gibson and talk great pitching with Bob Gibson. But my favorite, my favorite was Lou Brock. He was, and I'll tell you why. Because Lou, those other guys are amazing. But what Lou meant to me, Lou was the ultimate in class, as professional and as gentle and kind and, and personable as there ever was a man that I've ever met in my entire life. That just, sense of him that first time. Oh my gosh. He's just a, he was just a beautiful person. You know I mean? It's just something that I hope one day I could be even compared to him in the smallest way, because the very first person that I ever met when I walked into a Cardinals clubhouse was Lou Brock. I had my bag on my shoulder. I walked in from my car. I just drove down there. I only knew one person on the team was Jason Marquis. He got traded with me from Atlanta to the Cardinals. I've never been in the big leagues. I never met any of the minor leaguers before. I played against some of them, but I never met any of them. I knew literally nobody. And I walked into the clubhouse. I put my bag down and I turn around and Lou Brock standing right there. And I said, hi, just like that. Like, I don't know what to say. I mean, but you know, Lou, when you see Lou Brock and uh, he says, hi, Mr. Wainwright, I'm Lou Brock. And I said, uh, I think you got that backwards. Um, Mr. Brock, I'm Adam Wainwright. Nice to meet you. He shook his hand. And, and he says to me, uh, he hands me a ball and he says to me, I'd like for you to sign this ball for me. And I said, once again, I think that you got this backwards. Like, 
Mr. Brock, I'm going to go get a ball and I'm going to give it to you. And I would love for you to sign it to me. He goes, that's great. I'll sign a ball for you later. But he goes, no, I'm serious. I, I, I never met you before today, but I got a feeling that you're going to be special. And I want you to sign this ball to me. And so I just was thinking, golly, I mean, I mean, wow, what an amazing moment for me. And looking back on that, you know, the humility that Lou showed all the time. Lou Brock is one of the greatest baseball players that ever lived. And yet he spent time with each and every person that he ever signed an autograph for. If you watched him in spring training, he, watched, he walked down the right field line and he would sign autographs for people in a legible, great signature. And he would look each person in the eye and he would talk to them. And it just was so profound to me to watch him and his grace and everything that he did and how special that was and understanding that this man understands that people think he's pretty cool and he wants to spend time with them so that they'll understand that he actually is cool and that he thinks they're cool. And I just, you know, I mean, there's just, it's just so many really cool things that, 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 that I can talk about with Lou and and, and, the, there, and there and there's an interesting thing behind and no uh, with may he rest in peace Bob Gibson but Lou Brock and the reason I only said Lou Brock is he was the first recipient of the Roberto Clemente Award because you know of all the Major League Baseball teams the Cardinals organization has had six the most of any team so certainly and remembering my interaction there in Pittsburgh with Lou Brock. Um, I'm never going to forget it because when you think about it, I'll use your word. That's a pretty cool story to say that Roberto goes in the dugout and tells Lou Brock, watch the next at bat, and he hits it off Mickey Lowelich. Um, There's a question. Uh, we're doing something new. Uh, we actually have a question from a fan, and that fan happens to be a, a dear friend of mine who actually designed our Talking 21 podcast logo, the great uh, graphic designer extraordinaire, Todd Radham. And this is his question. Can you tell us what it's meant to have worn the Cardinals bat, excuse me, the Cardinals bird on bat uniform, a jersey design that has connected every player in the history of that franchise? Because the 100th anniversary is coming up next year of when that first, that logo was first introduced to the Cardinals organization. So, you know, you, your connection to that logo, you're part of Cardinals history. So if you can share and, and anything for uh, my dear friend Todd Radham about that particular question. Yeah, I think it's got to be one of the most iconic logos in all of sports. Um, <clears throat> when I look at, at, at the Cardinals logo, though, and being able to wear it over the years, it, it's more to me than it is just a jersey. And I would probably most players who play for one team for a long time would tell you the same thing. But you know, there's a quote by Stan Musial, and I think it's something like, you know, I just love to put on this uniform. And because when you, when you wear the Cardinals uniform, it goes back to what you said about there's six Roberto Clemente Award recipients. Because being a Cardinals player in the city of St. Louis, it's more than just playing baseball. There's a sense of community there that's really unique, that is really special, that it's a, it's a pretty big city, but it feels pretty small. Um, and the heart that goes around when people are in need there, I think St. Louis two months ago was named the most generous city in all of the United States and being a part of, and, 
and and having a bunch of different initiatives and fundraisers, events, and all that kind of stuff over the years, I can speak to that firsthand and say that that is so true. People never stop rallying around things that matter and people who are in need. Um, Wearing that logo, to me, it's more than just playing the game of baseball. There's an expectation where they expect you to go out on the field and be great. There's also an expectation that you would hold up to the standards that wear those uniforms in the community and, and helping people along the way. So um, the names that have worn that uniform through the years that we've gotten a chance to spend time with in spring training, Stan Musial before he passed, Red Shandings was at our spring training complex every single day and in most days during the regular season until he passed. Bob Gibson and Lou Brock have been in our spring training sites Every year that I've been there until this year, this will be the first year that I won't see either one of them, I think, since I've been a St. Louis Cardinal. You know, Ozzie Smith is there all the time. The guys who have worn the uniform before us have set an example that is so high that we have to try to live up to that. You know, they have set the, they have set, they've set the standard. They've drawn the line in the sand on what it, what it means to be a St. Louis Cardinal. And we have to uphold that. That's 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 how everybody who wears that uniform should and, and does think. This year is very important. 1971, Roberto Clemente wins that. I um, mean, literally, he carried the entire Pittsburgh Pirates team. I mean, I've heard it from a number of his uh, former teammates, Manny Sanguian, Al Oliver, um, Doc Ellis, may rest in peace. He was a dear friend of mine. But uh, certainly something that we hear often, and you've heard it as well, and those that have won the Roberto Clemente Award, and we, the word is legacy. The legacy that is going to tie now Adam Wainwright to Roberto Clemente. You are so proud that you won that award, and you will say it probably till when our Lord and Savior calls us home. But certainly, there's a legacy. Please, Wayno, talk a bit of that Clemente legacy that certainly I believe literally every time that you were nominated, I would not doubt that you probably said, I want to know a bit more about Roberto Clemente. I've met Roberto Clemente Jr. I've met Luis Clemente, but I want to know a bit more about the legacy, things that Roberto did off the field. Yeah, so, and, and I'll tell you how much that, that award means to me also, just in a really quick kind of weird story. But in the, in the Milwaukee Brewers, bathroom there's a there's a little poster on the wall with all the roberto clemente award winners up until like 2015 or 16 that's just been there since 15 or 16 that each year they would put a new one but in 15 or 16 they stopped replacing it and it's just been up there and every time i walk out of that bathroom i stop and i look at those names and it makes me wonder some of them i know and some of them i don't i'm like i wonder what they were doing in their communities i wonder what they were doing in their communities. And I wonder what they were doing in their communities. And so it, it struck me uh, about two weeks ago after I won the award, I was thinking back on walking out of that bathroom going, wow, there's a lot of good players that are doing great things in their community. And by noticing that, like, you know, we pass Cy Young winners and Gold Glove winners and stuff all the time that I never pay attention to but I always look at that one poster on the wall in the Milwaukee bathroom and 
and you know, I think there was a little part of me like, man, I really hope my name ends up on that one day. So that's a weird kind of question or answer to your question. But I think what's really cool to me is Roberto was a man of action. It wasn't just, I'm going to write a check or I'm going to send some money. It was, I'm going to go there. And I, his final day proves that, you know, when you hear my friend, Neil Walker, who, whose dad was a great friend of Clemente and, and former player, former teammate, and, and was supposed to be on that airplane. When I hear him talk about what Roberto would actually do and how he would try to inspire the other guys to go out and do, that's what makes me go. You know, that's, I want to be like that. A guy who, who understands that he's been given a lot, he's got a lot more to give. And so he gave his life doing exactly what he, he was backing up what he was talking about. It was not just, and, and I think and there's times where you need the guys who just write the checks so you can make the ministries go. But there's times in life where to get a full grasp of what's happening, you have to go and see it for yourself. You have to go and experience it. And to, I think, to really have a full impact, you need to go and be with those people. And what always struck with me with the stories that I hear about Roberto is that he was always about being with the people. It was always about being there firsthand and letting them know that they were not alone, that he had their backs and that he was gonna try to help and he was gonna go get others and inspire, inspire them to help others. So now I wanna kind of tie into a conversation, Adam, as we now officially wrap up Talking 21. Here it is, Adam. There's a possibility that you might have an opportunity to sit down with the commissioner of Major League Baseball Mr. Manfred, and let's just say you have an 11 a.m. appointment and we know what the conversation is going to be like. That conversation is going to be about considering that Major League Baseball retires Roberto Clemente's number throughout Major League Baseball. So besides the obvious, Wayno, what would you like to share with the commissioner as the 2020 uh, recipient of the Roberto Clemente Award what would you share with the commissioner to maybe make him look at it from a different perspective? What I, what I would tell the commissioner is kind of what we spoke about earlier. The one award that is the most important award to any player in baseball is the Roberto Clemente Award. It is the award that speaks to not just the player, but also the man. And if that award means so much to every single player, then that player that the award is named after has touched so many players' lives, it can't be measured. And so that player needs to have an, a, a, a designated number to represent that. I, 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 and I would argue that all day long because it's, you, it's hard to imagine a player. I mean, I think, I think if, you, if you spoke to any African-American player, they would talk about Jackie Robinson in probably the same kind of light. But a player who is from Puerto Rico. Can black have, Puerto Rican. A black Puerto Rican. A black too. Puerto Rican can have that kind of effect on a white kid from South Georgia. That's saying something. And on that note, Adam, Bueno, Uncle Charlie, 
I want to thank you so very much for being a part of the Talking 21 podcast. And um, once again, just thanks so much for providing a bit about your, your life. And I want to even add this now, what will become your legacy. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for the time. Thanks for the questions and loved having uh, these conversations. Thanks so much, Wayno, for sharing your remarkable story on our podcast and your tireless commitment to those in need. For our listeners, please be sure to visit the foundation's website, bigleagueimpact.org, and read about Wayno's mission on making a difference in the community and around the world. Make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Talking 21 Podcast. And yes, we're on Facebook and YouTube. A special thank you for our co-writer and executive producer, Ras Guevara, and our social media manager, Senor Bezo. This is your host, Danny Torres, and be sure to follow me on Twitter at DannyT21. Tune in next time for once again our continued conversation about the great one.